Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Riders Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll discuss SMB marketing best practices with a true channel marketing expert. Chris Allen has two decades of marketing experience and currently serves as a Senior Vice President of Marketing at Heartland. He's also held leadership positions at BPAWS, POS Nation, and Vant of WorldPay, where, full disclosure, we worked together for two years and where Chris provided me with multiple examples of world-class marketing advice. Chris Allen, always great to talk with you. Welcome to The Trusted Advisor. Jim Roddy, it's awesome to be here with you, man. Love working with you, and it's super excited to see you guys picked up this medium. This is uh, this has been a, a really fun thing to see the RSPA kind of go this direction. It's been super cool. Well, thank you. Right back at you. And almost, I'd say almost zooming out, full disclosure, we worked together before the Vantive World Pay days, right? I was at Business Solutions Magazine. You were at you know, Mercury, yep. Vantive, then together, and now we are working again uh, afterwards. So uh, I'm certainly yep. fired up to talk with you today. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I will say that I... Um, haven't been necessarily as involved with the RSPA in the depth that I was in the past. And so it's awesome to come back and uh, some of the the people that I've been able to catch up with and just see that the the vibrancy of the culture is still there and, and how just this group is really, uh, I mean, th- th- at the end of the day, like the togetherness that you feel with the RSPA team, uh, it's super huge. It's awesome to see uh, what you guys are up to. Awesome. Excellent. So again, I said we're, uh, to our audience, we're going to talk SMB marketing best practices. So eventually I want to get into some tactics. But first, Chris, I want to hear from you, like overarching two or three key marketing principles that small and medium-sized VARs and ISVs need to follow if they're going to be successful with their marketing. And I know you're super passionate about you know, uh, helping SMBs. So can you talk yeah. about those principles? Yeah, you know, um, uh I think my passion for small business, um, and and when you say small business, I, mean, I don't know if anybody really identifies, you know, I'm a small business. You know, maybe people do, but I did. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I call myself like a small business native. And um, you got to be really scrappy, right? Because it's not like you have um, these big machines that are throwing off really high margin, you know, sales with very little effort sometimes. And I think um, the shoestring budget uh, is what a, a lot of small business owners have for marketing. And um, so I think I think principles wise is one, understanding your level of investment. And I think two is with your level of investment, being able to measure your outcome. And so I, I, I wonder um, uh, sometimes where you know, I kind of, I'm kind of person in, you know, I'd say my mentor, Randy Clark, uh, who many of y- y'all know uh, and, and did know, uh, he always said, Chris, I don't get out of bed in the morning without a plan. And uh, one of the things that I've carried on with, you know, a lot of the marketing work that I've done is, you know, um, if you, if you're going to go spend money to do marketing, what's really hard is when it's like, hey, let's, let's put our logo on something and do a sponsorship. And, uh, let's maybe send an email or let's, you know, sort of, you know, let we need some better brochures, right. Or things like that, or we need to go to this event trade show. And what I would encourage people to do is understand that your plan has to have more dimensions than one. 
And integrated marketing, I, th I think there's really advanced versions of that. But for small business owners, I think small machines is is really what you're trying to build as it relates to marketing. So if you know your level of investment, uh, you know you can measure your outcome and you're building a small machine uh, or, or any type of machine, right? Um, you just you got to know that that's what you're building, and the out, output of that machine should should be something that's growth oriented, not necessarily. You, I wouldn't say you're investing in marketing to look better. Okay, you need to invest in marketing to get business outcomes. Yes, yes, it's got to impact the bottom line to some degree. And let you me got it. so where you mentioned about the integrated marketing, is it what you're saying? Like you don't just say hey, we're not going to do anything, but we're going to go to this trade show. We're going to see if it's a success or not. You have to have a full plan in terms of here's how we're going to present ourselves in general. Here's the content we're doing. Here's the audience we're going after. Here's some of the tactics. And then here are the events that we're going to. You just can't separate everything together and have one event. Oh, that means the event was bad or good. It has to be more holistic than that. Is that what you're referencing when you really talk integrated marketing? Yeah. So like, I'll give you an example of a, you know, maybe a small machine. So and this is one of the things I'm going to use a kind of a restaurant owner idea, and then I can translate that back to something that's a little more B2B. But let's say you're a restaurant owner and you want to drive more foot traffic. And you're like, man, I really need something that's going to drive more traffic. One of the practices that you have to have, this isn't an event. Marketing is not an event. It is a practice in your business, right? The small machine. And so it's like, okay, what am I going to do? So number one, right, um, you got to know kind of what your uh, core Sonic's kind of values are. So like, um, and the way that I look at it is your brand is what you believe and then how you think, how you act, how you speak, and then how you look or how you appear, okay? And so I, I make sure that you have, if, when you think of a marketing event or a plan, you're, excuse me, something that's like a, not something that's repeatable, but it's more of an event, you're like, I don't have time to think for think about what I believe, how I think, how I act, how I speak, and how I appear. I just want to look good, and I want to shake people's hands at a trade show and make sure that we can cut deals. And there's a lot of disappointment that comes along with that, uh, those just sort of like one-off things. But if you're a restaurant owner and you're like, I'm going to define what we believe, how we think, how we act, how we speak, and how we show up, you're creating an experience, and you're defining your brand, the piece that you can own. If you own your brand, everyone else that encounters it owns your reputation. And that is something to really keep in mind. And if you're a restaurant owner and you're like, I want to I want to increase foot traffic, you're going to do an integrated marketing plan that's like, I'm going to create a practice that's going to acquire email addresses. And I'm going to install in that practice an SMS or, you know, a text, uh, a way to acquire phone numbers to text people. And that's kind of one practice that a lot of people ignore is the routine of getting email addresses. You wouldn't believe how many companies that I've gone into either consulting or uh, been a marketing individual contributor all the way up to a marketing leader. Um, that even just getting email addresses is not a consistent practice. Yep. But those are some of the things that is the, sort of the foundation is you got to acquire people's contact information and buying lists is kind of a dying art. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'll talk about that in just a second. But get, acquiring those those email addresses is something you got to do as early as possible and as soon as possible and consider that an asset of your company, not just your customer portfolio, right? Or your, your repeat customers, right? That's an asset for a restaurant, but 
to, it's uh, having a way to contact them is really huge. And so, you know, getting those email addresses and making sure that you've got at least a way to communicate with them on a regular basis. Yeah. So you need some sort of delivery methodology and I'm working all the way up uh, to just saying, okay, now I need to communicate with them and doing it regularly. And then it's like, what am I going to say? And that is one of the things that I think people really struggle with. Restaurant owners are like, I'm going to run a promotion because if I can get somebody to just come in with a promo uh, or a coupon or something like that, if I can just get them to come in, that'll, that'll increase foot traffic. And yeah, it might. Uh, and I love something John Taffer said. He's like, people uh, get addicted to um, discounts, but they don't get addicted to free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You ever heard him say that? I was mm-hmm. like, no, that's so good. Uh, and and I think that that is one of the things you can't you can run promos, but if you're always asking for a sale, it gives people a lot of fatigue. Yes. Okay. So what you have to do is try to add value. Yep. And and, and that's one of the things that I'd say as a restaurant owner, you're like, um, if you decided to give recipes out, if you decided to share secrets of behind the scenes of what it's like to work and be a customer, things you're doing in the community, right? That's why you got to have the belief. And how you think and how you act, because if that's the stuff that should fuel the connection, yes, right, that should fuel the connection between you and your customer. And so I'll take sort of just the email address and the the text messages. You know, those are some really great ways to communicate. And if you have something meaningful to say, it's kind of like a okay, I'm going to say something meaningful three times, and then I'm going to ask for a sale on the fourth, and that yes. is sort of a consistent routine. And I'd say um, you got to get you got to get your name out there as well. So other things you could do, yeah. Can you buy advertising? Can you run Facebook ads and things like that? I would just caution, you know, people like restaurant owners don't always ask for a sale on your ad or yes. only leading with a promotion, right? You got to be known for something to get high, increased foot traffic and get repeat business. You got to be known yeah. for something, and creating that experience is really important. So let's just set the restaurant owner aside for a second, and we'll talk about if you're a B two B. Uh, uh, company still got to have email addresses. Um, the other thing that you can do is integrated marketing is I look at it as you got sort of an air force, you know, and a Navy, and then you have your sort of ground forces. Okay. So if you've got, you know, email addresses and you've got a list and maybe people that look like your customer, um, uh, the only way that I buy a list now is I'll go buy a list and I'll drop it into Google or Facebook and say, Hey, give me an audience that looks like that. So a great way for a B2B customer to start is take your customer portfolio, take every attribute that you have and go load it and see how, if you've got a matched audience that you can run some ads to, and you just run some display ads, display ads, you know, on Facebook are super affordable. Mm -hmm. You should be paying about $40 CPM. So that's for a thousand impressions. That's what about what you should be paying. And you got to figure out your conversion rate on when you're adding value versus asking for a sale. But ultimately, it's like, okay, what I'm measuring my output, how much am I spending in advertising and what am I getting sort of how many how many conversions am I getting and how much business am I actually signing from those efforts? But you're not going to have just one dimension display. You got to have email address to follow up with people. Right. Um, And then ultimately, you know, another one is in person sort of visits that could be from salespeople or that could be trade shows. So that. Having multiple dimensions um, or multiple touch points, that's what I mean by integrated marketing. Got it. Thank you for that. And so can you expand a little bit more on, you said you have to have something valuable to say, you have to have a messaging. Can can you talk about, I'll, I call them or we call them internally here at the RSP, 
core themes and core messages. Like for us, you know, we say North America's largest community of VARs, ISVs, you know, vendors and distributors in restaurant, uh, retail, grocery and cannabis verticals. Right. And so that's what we say. And that's like underlying to everything that we do. Can you talk about like, I guess, do you feel like a VAR or ISV before they start engaging in those marketing activities, they need to hash through, right? Those handful of core themes or messages that they want to communicate. And maybe they don't say the exact same thing every time, but they certainly have to touch on those on a regular basis. And it's the foundation of, like you said, that value they're providing about the, the sale that they're going to make. Can you talk about starting there with figuring out what you want to say consistently? Yeah. So uh, I'll give you a bit of a framework um, that I use to create, to define those things that are sort of existing long-term and how that moves into kind of a a next piece. So I look at, um, I look at it like this, you need to have your core values and this is how you measure or, you know, sort of uh, not measure, but this is how you screen people in your business, your employees. Um. And, you know, one to three is kind of where it starts and your marketing will come from that. Those phrases are not what you will use externally, but that will be the believe part of your brand, right? Because it's your value system. Mm -hmm. So core values, then your core focus. What type of business are we looking for? What is our ideal business? Like you mentioned that you're like uh, bars, ISVs, restaurant, retail. Yeah. You've got your, what are you trying to do? Uh, and what are you trying to provide? So that's your core focus. That's how you screen deals. This is how you don't get sprawl in sort of saying yes to all different types of opportunities. You got a core focus and then you got who you're going after and you need to define what your, uh, what your marketing strategy is. There's gotta be a strategy. Okay. I, I am going to be, we are, you know, the three uniques, what are three unique things about us? That doesn't, it's a lot of people really struggle with that. It's like, what are two, if you can't think of three unique things that you do for a specific customer, uh, you need to say like, okay, what are two things everybody else does too? And what do we do that is different than all of them? What are things, something that only we can say that we do? And so that's kind of like on the belief side. And then what you need to do is just write a little bit about like, okay, uh, some, I call it a corporate narrative. This is work that is uh, is a reference document that I use in all of our marketing. And in that re- in that corporate narrative, it's you're going to write down sort of like your sort of reason for existing, what you want to say to that core audience. Um, then you, you need to talk about sort of your positioning pillars, right? Are you fast? Are you easy, right? Are you high quality? Write down some of those sort of core things. You, are you saving people time? And then you write down your content themes. And these are uh, how you look at the world, um, like a point of view is kind of like, hey, if you look at a specific topic, like one of ours is Heart- at Heartland, one of our content themes is the small business economy, right? We have a point of view on the small business economy at Heartland, right? Um, we have over a million entrepreneurs that do business with us every day. And we have a point of view on what is hurting their businesses uh, because guess what? Those businesses don't always stay around. We can see themes of businesses that are going out of business for certain reasons. And we can start in marketing to go, hey, we need to, maybe we could add value and start addressing a couple of these things. And that's where the Entrepreneur Studio was born, right? Mm-hmm. Is how do we, in the small business economy, add value and help people see things before they're coming? Or how do we help them with repeat business, um, increasing average ticket, 
uh, reducing wait times, right? How do we add tangible value for that stuff? And that that's that shaped a lot of our content about what we say. And that that sort of narrative about your business and where you're trying to add value, I try to find a brand that you associate with as well. Like, um, you know, I, I would say one of the things that we do at Heartland, we kind of compare ourselves to Toyota. You know, I, I would love to say we're, you know, maybe BMW, but ultimately we're Toyota. We, mm-hmm. Our technology maybe isn't the most advanced, but man, does it work? And man, uh, does it last a long time? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We may not have the most advanced features, but it's not going to die anytime soon. And th- those are some of the things that I think if brand association, if you start to think of yourself in uh, in the way that other brands have influenced you, that'll help you with things to say because you're like, oh, well, they say this kind of thing. In our context, maybe we could do these kinds of things or say these kinds of things as well. So that's a way to cheat a little is just brand association. So you're not going to yeah. tell anybody that. Yeah. I told you that, you know, just because that's the way we sort of think about ourselves. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to tell your customers that, but they may experience it. And then you start to attract customers that are similar to people that buy those other brands. Right. And it makes it clear who you go after, right? In terms of, right. If you were saying we're going to be the Rolls Royce, well, that's a different clientele that you would be, be going after. I guess 100%. also like what you're saying is your themes have to, like you said, have a point of view. It reminds me of uh, folks listening might know Jim Rome. He's been a longtime sports broadcaster and he has a talk radio show and his requirements for your calls in are have a take and make sure your take doesn't suck, right? Like just don't say, you know, this team's 0-10. I don't think they're very good. Like that's not a unique take on anything. That's what it sounds like you're saying is you have to have a unique stance or else you're just going to blend into the blah, blah, blah noise of we're the best and we're for people people and customer yeah. service, right? And stuff like that. It has to 100%. be unique. Is that essentially what you're saying? It, it does. And, and in some things it can just be unique in how you say it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I think uh, uh, if you're just saying, Hey, we're, you know, we're quality. Like one of the things, like, let's say, our, let's take the Heartland point of sale system, for instance, it's like the way that we're sort of t- having a take on is does every point of sale system say, you know, uh, we can you know manage your transactions and manage your money and work sort of the hub of your business and things like that. Yeah, pretty much every point of sale system can say that. But one of the things that we try to say is like, what are we actually doing for the customer? If we can do all of those things, it's like, well, we we want to be easy to use. Um, we want to put more money in the customer's pocket. And then the other one is like, we're professional grade. Our hardware is a little different. You know, we we have like seriously retail hardened hardware that that we sell. And so that's a way that we kind of think about saying the same thing. It's like, I basically said quality, right? Mm-hmm. Easy right. to use, right? And we said that said those same things, but quality can mean professional grade. That's just a different way of saying it. And does it, do other people have retail hardened, halt mass tested hardware? Yes, but it's a part of who we are. It's a part of what we, how we say it. And so that yeah. expression really does matter because that can be the unique thing when you're basically like, I look like everybody else and we do what everybody else does. How you say it and how you show up can be all the difference. 
Yes, very well said. And so now talk about taking those messages and putting them on your company website. Like I think when people talk about their website, they're like, all they care is about how it looks and it's modern and and things of that nature. And that might be important for a tech company, but it's got to say something as well. I guess, can you talk about some best practices that you've learned related to SMB, you know, websites, VAR and ISV websites? What are some big takeaways that you think our audience should do related to their websites? Well, I, I look at websites for lead gen. That's really what they're all about. Um, and they're, they should also be a part of the buyer's journey. So I think of a buyer's journey as they're trying to get education or information. Then they're like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in this. I'm going to start looking for solutions. And then they're going to pick one or selection. And the website should have content that spans that entire buyer's journey that feeds people to help them understand and help them follow the breadcrumbs all the way to buying from you. So there's, uh, you know, obviously organic search is something that's really kind of hard. I'd say the easiest thing for uh, like a bar is to go compete in local search for people in the local area because Google will prioritize local search and optimized, you know, um, Google My Business profiles with websites that support that profile as well. That and really filling out that profile well to make sure you're helping the customer. That is a way you can go compete uh, and, and create leads. So your website at the end of the day should be a lead gen thing especially in B2B. And so the way that I I think about it is you need an information architecture on your website. And they're sort of like about your company. I I think the wrapper for your website really does have to be why we who we are and why we exist. Okay. Who you are and why you exist. So your homepage it isn't what you sell first all the time. Who you right. are and why you exist with some subtlety about what you sell cuz in our website over 80% of the people that come to the website do not enter through the homepage. That is correct. That's a thing that a lot of people don't realize. They think everybody starts there, but yeah, they come in different areas, especially promote an article or something like that. That's how they're going to stumble to your website. Yep. You got it. So I look at the homepage as reinforcement of why you should do business with me. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're, you've got a blog that, you know, ranks on, you know, um, uh, on some, you know, search term, I call it a long tail search term, something that has less than 50 searches a month in the U.S. And you wrote this really detailed thing and you get a piece of traffic. If they're interested in doing business with you, if you've written the thing well, where you're like, what blog in the buyer's journey, where did this fit? Is this education? Is this in solution, right? Where they're thinking about a point of sale system or payment processing or payroll or whatever, you're, you want that next click. You want to get that second click. The homepage is a reinforcement thing mm-hmm. that uh, why would I want to do business with these people? Yeah. So that in the information architecture, that's a great place to start is who you are and why you exist. And then the other thing is you need a taxonomy for your products. Google and Bing, they are trying to act like humans and visit your website every day and see what's changing. And also they're trying to synthesize you holistically and individual pages to see if they are answering kind of key problems that searches people and searching for that information that yeah. that piece of content provides. And so in, in my mind, you really do need to have a taxonomy for your products where you need a sort of a product family or a product line. Then, you know, you need to have like, what is the actual product? What's the module to the product? What are the features that are included? What are the add-on features? And those are the ways that you can architect your product section, which is the what you sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that people can get in for more information. 
I, again, if people are visiting, uh, they are, let, let's say, for example, somebody's looking for a specific feature of a point of sale system like gift or loyalty or something like that. And they search for that online. They're going to be sort of in the middle of your taxonomy if you've done a good job. Yeah. So the breadcrumbs matter. Uh, in, in some instances, not everybody's going to follow your breadcrumb, but it really is important for people to get oriented quickly and how you add value beyond that specific feature. Yeah. So that's one of the things I, I encourage people to do is have the taxonomy and then ultimately have something that like you are asking for the sale and creating the real estate on your page to make, to ask for a sale. And then I call it micro sales. Remember I talked about getting email addresses. Mm-hmm. If you've got content, let's say, let's say gift or loyalty is one of the things that we're talking about and they land on that gift or loyalty page. If you have something like, like, hey, here's five ways to sort of increase float in your business using gift cards. And you say, just give me your email address and you can have the PDF. Yeah. That whole little machine there is you're acquiring email addresses, but that's a prospect. That's not a buyer. That's not enough information to make a sale. So what do you got to do? You need an automation system that's going to give them that content with, you know, instant readiness and then be able to have a conversation with that person that's going to walk them through the rest of the buyer's journey. So if I've got gift and loyalty right there, I know what they're interested in and I have an idea where they may be in the buyer's journey. And if I, you align all your content that way, then you can start, you can fit, help them finish the swing and hopefully turn that prospect into a lead. And so is that, that kind of, I think you're shedding some light on the question I was going to ask is like, what is the best way to generate leads? And it sounds like it depends on wherever they are in the buyer's journey, but if it's anything related to like you were talking about gift or loyalty, if it's product information on gift or loyalty, if it's a trend in in gift or loyalty or anything like that, you just put some sort of gate in front of it and say, in order to get this, we need your email address. Is that essentially what it is? There's not like one, if you do a podcast on this, that's going to generate a lot of leads. It could be, but it's, you need to have a variety of things in order to to get somebody in their buyer's journey. Yeah, absolutely. You got to do a lot of testing and learning as well if you're going to be advanced. But if you're just going to give some give a shot, just having like my job in marketing is to move people from one stage to the next. Yeah, that is my job. Right. And so if I can get people to raise their hand and I can help move them to the next stage in the journey, I have done my job as a marketer. I can only make people give give it a try or break a tie. That's how I think about marketing. It's like, I can help you think about uh, other products and help positioning, right? Or I can just get you to give contact information and move you to the next step. And and I, I think the best way to get leads um, is, is value-added content. Mm-hmm. I really do, because people are looking for information. And if you know where they are in the buyer's journey and the, the products that they may be interested in, you have a whole ton of information that you can do to help move them to the next stage. And uh, messaging and content is a is a big way to do that. I think um, one of the things that I try to do is, um, you know, uh, if you're going to move people to solution or selection further down the buyer's journey, you're trying to create that lead in between there. Um, minimum contact information, I call a prospect just an email or a phone number. Yeah. But if you've got name, business name, email, phone, right, maybe website or uh, uh, industry you've got enough uh, of a lead there to have either sales follow up yeah. or uh, uh, do some, some additional sort of marketing automation to get them to, to tell you what else they may be interested in. Do you want to quote? Do you yeah. want a demo? 
yeah, the sale's not made there. It's it's starting down down the path. So, well, let's yeah, see if I can it. move some uh, folks listening down the path here as well. And so we're going to pause and let our listeners and viewers know about the Retail Solution Providers Association. I feel like I said this already. The RSP is North America's largest community of VARs, software developers, vendors, and distributors in the retail, restaurant, grocery, and cannabis verticals. The RSP is perfect for any organization that's serious about growth in those markets. And an RSP membership has never been more valuable or affordable. Annual memberships start at just $250 a year, or that's 68 cents a day, and just uh, for VARs, and just $300 a year for software startups. That's just 82 cents a day. Accelerate your success in the retail IT channel by joining the RSPA community today. Also, we want to say thanks to our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are CoCard, ScantSource, Star Micronics, and Heartland. Finally, registration is now open for Inspire 2024, the Retail IT Channel's premier leadership conference. This year's event is set for January 28th through 31st in 2024, and it's going to be in Puerto Rico. Register today at gorspa.org forward slash inspire, where you can experience networking nirvana. So how did I do there, Chris? Is that okay? Good messaging? You know you're a pro. It's awesome. <laughs> well, I've been hanging out with you a lot. Hey, uh, before we get back to the topic at hand, can you do a quick commercial for the Entrepreneur Studio? Tell folks a little bit about that and how they can get access to it. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah, um, you can go to estudio.life uh, to learn a little bit more about it. But uh, ultimately, the Entrepreneur Studio is a uh, it's really a platform of podcasts and courses and trainings to help small businesses run and grow a better business. Um, you know, a big part of, uh, of what we're trying to do is if our businesses that do business with us stay in business, we do better. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's this mutual success that I think is really important. And I think uh, the entrepreneur studio is an expression of our inextricable connection as a company to the small business community locally, nationally, right. You know, the, these are the things that I think are, are these connections really, really matter. And that's that the entrepreneur studio podcast you know, we've got guests like we've got Mel Robbins coming up soon. We've had, you know, Danny Meyer. Um, I no, I don't think any every restaurant person that has come on the show has mentioned him in some way of how about how he's inspired them. So there's this book mm -hmm. called Setting the Table. He's amazing. We've had, you know, yeah, we of course we've had Tim Tebow and Chris Voss and things like that. We've had a lot of entrepreneurs that you might not know, but that have done remarkable things that are on the show. But that's ultimately what we try and do is help help them run and grow a better business. Fabulous. And estudio.life is the best way to access it. Yeah. Yeah. You can also go to Heartland. Um, you can just search in Google uh, Heartland Entrepreneur Studio and it'll come, it'll take you right to the section. You know, we're on, you know, Apple Podcasts. We're, uh, you know, obviously on Google, right? Um, obviously on Spotify and things like that. And we publish on YouTube as well. Got it. Fabulous. Well, thank the, you for that. And th thanks for providing The Entrepreneur answer. Studio. Excellent. Awesome. So we've got a few minutes left. I do want to touch on uh, email marketing for sure, because I know when I'm working with VARs uh, and ISVs, they're talking about like doing email blasts and then they think about automated email and then they say, I'm not getting the response and am I pestering people? Am I spamming people? And I think everybody listening to this is a recipient. You know, you get something that has your first name, comma, and something in the subject line. You're like, well, that seems really sincere, right? You know, and you just get it from all sorts of different angles. Can you talk about what you see are some key best practices related to email marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I try to create, I called it a conversation and with email marketing, right? If you're talking to a complete stranger, you probably need to add value quick, 
So I try to stage out in, in just email marketing, right? Obviously integrated marketing where you've got maybe ads running to those people, right? You've got events, you've got website, things that are going on. Um, but as it relates to that email component, you're in someone's inbox and that requires um, some real thoughtfulness about how to get in there and stay in there. Because if you're going to sequence out some emails, blasts, I'm not a fan of blasts unless it's a, you, you really do need to get something out quick. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing a blast in order to get leads, you, you will be disappointed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I, that's a random act of marketing. That's what okay. that is. Yeah. So what I try to do is I'm going to design something that does have some automation and uh, has some value added content. And what I do is there's a framework that I have. It's kind of like a pyramid. And at the bottom, I, it, you know, you have people, there's a big crowd of people at the bottom that are really unaware. Uh, then you have people who are slightly aware, or you have people who are problem aware, solution aware, they're most aware, they may have bought from you. And my goal is to increase their level of awareness of their problem and the problem that I can help them solve. And what I have is I have up, up that ladder, uh, up the pyramid, I'll have like leads. This is how I lead with to get in their inbox. And so if, for instance, if I am, I've, I have an audience of people that I think they're mostly problem aware, like they're trying to increase average ticket or something like that, or they are opening a new restaurant. Um, that I would be like, okay, there's probably like a, the way that I'd want to write an open, uh, excuse me, write a subject line to get the open rate or write some content to get clicks, to get them to be interested. I've got a, I've got a lead with something that's maybe like a, a promise, uh, or a secret or, you know, something that would make them want to go, I want to learn more about that. So I need to show that I identify with their problem and that I have something that they might need. And so that's what I start with is I try to solve a problem or share a secret, uh, an answer to a secret that, that I have, get them to open up the email. And you got to practice that subject line, right? If you're sending to a cold list, I say, you know, 25% is probably what you should expect. That means it's okay. a decent subject line. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get a click-through rate on a cold list, that means that somebody you haven't warmed up before doesn't know who you are. Um, that right there is, you know, probably around one and a half to 2%. But if you have an engaged audience, you should be anywhere from 40 to 60% open rate. That means okay. you've done a pretty good job and your click-through rate should be four to 7%. That's a healthy sort of, I've nurtured these people and I, that's a, I'm doing good by trying to add value and not uh, fatiguing them by asking for a sale or asking to be, you know, like have a demo or something. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'll do something like get that lead, I'll wait a couple of days, um, you know, and I'll do, I have a wait step in between the automation and then have, okay, then I'm going to do something that I'm going to give them maybe some surprise value, give them a piece of content. Um, then there's going to be something that's like, uh, I, you know, I don't know, uh, some other step that has um, established his trust, helps them. And another step that would be like um, something that I, you know, how we add value to the community or something like that or whatever. So I try to establish trust early with solving a problem with the secret and then try to build some trust and then do some, maybe some surprise value that there's a, you know, a, a, you know, something free or a giveaway or something like that, or some information or a, an ebook or something like that, or a podcast that you think might help, but that surprise mm-hmm. value that they weren't expecting. And then you have a little bit of permission to say, Hey, 
Um, we've been talking about you know this for a little while, and it seems that you've been engaged. Do you do you want to have a conversation about yes. X? <laughs> and so that's how I try to do it. Is you're talking by yourself until they engage. Yes. And a way to the reason I call email marketing a conversation is their clicks are responses. Okay. Yes. And their lack of clicks is information for you. Yep. Yep. Right. And so it is a conversation, but it isn't like you and I are having. It is a conversation. It is a digital conversation yeah. that you're trying to figure out, uh, okay, these people are engaged or they're not. And that's why scoring and things like that really help. But I try to think of it like that so that you know, I don't fatigue them. I keep them around and I can't look for a sale in six weeks of an email nurture. I really do need to have ongoing communications that are sort of sticking yeah. to my value system into my narratives. You know, so the folks who are listening on audio only can't tell, but I've been smiling the entire time you've been giving this answer because just before we started this podcast, I cleaned out my junk folder for my emails. And so all those subject lines are lined up there and there's where it's just like Jim comma meeting Jim comma. Should we meet Jim comma get coffee or something like that? And then when you talked about how you need to have like surprise value, I will look at some of these, you know, messages that I get because, you never know you know who the person is and you know what they're they might be reaching out for because i always think people might be reaching out to join the rspa like i don't know uh, who they are but it is always disappointing no one's yes. ever sharing something with me that says here's some insight they're always just haranguing me of here's what we do you need a fractional accountant don't you let's set up a meeting it'll only take five minutes and i've wanted like i was tempted to set up a meeting to be like what can you do in five minutes right in terms of having any sort of rapport or trust or anything like that so it's just funny how there's the things that you're stating is in the positive and i'm realizing all these i'll just call them spammers are just flunking it in a big way for whatever reason, they're just going for a short-term sale. But I think it might program some of us to think like, well, this is what we need to do because this is what everybody else is doing. But you're saying the opposite, right? Don't have these phony engagement techniques. Have gen like put significant, uh, in invest a lot of time into the subject line and make sure it grabs them, like you said, the secret or the top this or something. And then when they're like, is this spam? They go, oh no, they're actually providing some value about a topic. I care about. So it. I've said way too much, but it just, it, again, it's, it's burning in my brain right now. And it's interesting. You're saying this. No, these you know, are, these are bread. These are breadcrumbs to a sale. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're dropping breadcrumbs. If you've planned out an email sequence, you're going to drop the bread. The first breadcrumb is the subject line that that first email. And that's why I put a lot of emphasis on that subject line. And then you have to deliver with what you write. And then, so that's another breadcrumb. And then you got to get them to click on something. That's another mm -hmm. breadcrumb. And so getting them to pick those things up and follow you down the path, that is what you're trying. That is what you're trying to do. And any disappointment that the other person feels or lack of authenticity that they feel, they will disengage. Yeah. And yeah. that is information to you when you run your email and you're on email three and you did good on one and two and they are done emails three, four, and five. You're like, I need to learn something. Where did they stop picking up the breadcrumbs? Yes. Yep. And you don't just look at that third or fourth email subject line. You look at what you did that maybe you didn't deliver on the previous email and what promises did you make that you would give them that they didn't have. And all of the things you just said in the subject line, the personalization and then asking for a meeting and the five minutes and a coffee card and all that kind of stuff. Or, hey, I, I, one of the ones that I thought was really fun is I live in Denver and they're like, oh, you know, hey, uh, let's have a bet on the Broncos and whoever's playing. And if the Broncos win, you got to have coffee with me. 
of course that's clever. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know you well enough to want to do that. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's asking for a sale in my mind. All these little micro sales is getting a meeting, having a demo. Those are asking for the sale before you've built the rep- reputation or rapport. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, it really, it starts to erode uh, a lot of the effectiveness you have with your asset of this email list. Yes. I think about when I got, uh, I see her in North Carolina because I moved here uh, a little over a year ago. See you in North Carolina. I love it there. Now let's talk about, again, you know, fractional accountant or something like that. And you're like, what is this? You know, you clearly, they know they segmented me and they just, they're, they're not addressing the pain point. That's what it seems like you're talking about. You have to know your audience and say, I know you care about this. We care about this too. And it can't totally. be just some benign, you're in Denver, right? Or, or something like that. It's got to be more specific. So yeah, that's pretty lazy. That's what I call lazy <laughs> personalization. Yes, yes, it is. All right, we've only got a couple minutes left. I I saved social media for last. I do want to get your take on it. I get a lot of questions from VARs and ISVs about that. But and I, part of the reason I saved it for last is right. If you don't have a good message, you don't have a good website. If you don't have your message down for email, you know you're not going to have much to say on marketing. A couple thoughts uh, in the time we have left for VARs and ISVs related to social media. I will make this one probably easier um, than you might think. Social media on your, whatever is on your feed as a company, almost no one cares. (laughs) So the posting really matters and you got to have, they need to be all about adding value. So don't be asking for sales, add value with your content, right? Some great, great quotes and things like that. And I would create a library of some short things that you can sort of put on, uh, you know, uh, on easily, but like, so you need to have a, some thoughtfulness in your posting and how much you're posting. And, um, but I mean, if you look at there, there are people that will post so often and they get like one or two likes and you're like, they've got 50,000 followers and no one is, you know, no one's engaging with their content. They probably bought some traffic. Sure. Right. And what has to happen is if you're going to do subscriber campaigns to get more subscribers, you have to have an organic post that that person who engaged on your paid one, you have to, they need to engage on a, uh, an organic one shortly thereafter in order for them to move into you, your content to go into their feed on a more longer term basis. Mm-hmm. So you got to have that sort of good content that they engage with that really is in sync with the traffic or the, or the, the ads that you're running for you know, these follower campaigns. But if you want to grow followers, the best way that I have found is Gary Vaynerchuk's $1.80 strategy. It is engaging in your niche on channels where people are following and leaving your two cents 90 times a day. Okay. It's just leaving your two cents 90 times a day. That's $1.80 a day, right? It's small value being left over and over and over again. And so what happens and what, what you'll see is when you engage like that, People will be curious about you if you say something meaningful enough. They'll be curious about you and they'll go and they may they will likely follow you. And for someone to do it that way, you don't have as much of an onus on the pay-to-play thing that I talked about. Mm-hmm. They will, they you, they you will be in their feed. Your organic stuff will be in their feed uh way easier than sort of the pay-to-play uh one that I talked about. So if you're just getting started trying to build a social media following, because reach is important because you want to have awareness, yeah. lead gen and sales enablement. That's kind of what the way marketing should exist, what the what it should, what it owes to the business. 
But the, the pay to play requires money. The cheap way, the free way to get reach is engaging with other people and leaving some, some, some value uh, on your commentary. Yeah, genuine, legitimate engagement. So, well, Chris, this has been great talking with you, learning from you. The only downside of this conversation is my artist pay colleagues are now going to be like, hey, wait a second. I don't think Jim has any original thoughts. He's just been cheating off Chris's, uh, what Chris has taught him <laughs> years ago, because a lot of the things you've been saying are things that we've been talking about uh, internally. You say them more articulately than I do, but, uh, you know, th this has been great, really, really been great catching up with you, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love what you guys are doing and I uh, love to help in any way I can. You've been a big help today. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Chris Allen from Heartland for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSP Marketing Director Chris Arnold for his production work. Joseph McDade for our music. And last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSP is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.